Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, the voice of conservation brought to you by Michigan United Conservation Clubs. The Michigan Out of Doors podcast is brought to you by our partners at Michigan Oil and Gas Association and the Michigan Department of Natural Resources Wildlife Habitat Grants, which funds our on-the-ground program to improve public land wildlife habitat. Sign up for a project near you at www.mucc.org slash on the ground. All right, we're back at the Lansing Center. We're here at the Field and Stream and Outdoor Life Expo Center. I'm Drew Youngdike with Michigan Out of Doors Podcast, and with me today is John Southworth of the Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association. The MTPCA is an affiliate club of MUCC, one of our most active ones, and one that was instrumental in passing the Scientific Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act, as was John here. Um, so we're going to talk with John about uh, the Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association, what's going on with the organization, and what's going on with trapping in general, as well as trying to dispel some common misperceptions about trapping that non-trappers tend to have. Uh, so, John, first of all, let's start off with uh, you. How long have you been trapping? I've been trapping for 15 years. Um, this year I didn't do too much due to a house sale, but next year I'll be hot and heavy again. Awesome. And the Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association, what is it? What does it do? How does it help the everyday trapper out in the field? The MTPCA is the trapper in Michigan's voice in the legislature. We... We are a statewide organization. Um, we help the trapper with whatever we can. Um, even if you're a non-trapper and having issues or questions about the DNR. We are being interrupted here by Clint Miller with River Rats Trapping Supplies. <laughs> Clint, why don't you come in here and join us on the podcast? <laughs> So Clint Miller with uh, River Rats Trapping Supplies just joined us. Clinton is has a booth next to John with the MTPCA. He's a great guy. Clint, in case you didn't know, we're in the middle of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, <laughs> and now you're on it, bud. So John was in the middle of telling us about MTPCA and how it's the trapper's voice in the legislature. Let's continue from there. Um, how many members do you guys have? Uh, roughly last time we checked, we were approximately 800 members, solid members. That's strong. That's the one, That's got to make you one of the larger, um, especially species-specific or, or method-specific kind of, um, you know, hunting and trapping groups in Michigan. Um, you guys are really effective. What What would you say is your the strength of your membership, the strength of your ability to get things done? strength of our ability to get things done is we are at the legislator at the legislation we talk we have we're at the caucuses we're we're testifying for all of that good stuff um, you have an issue with the DNR if we can't figure it out we will go to the people who can um, and, and one of the things that you guys actually just weighed in on that you're your ability to weigh in on this issue really was one of the things that I think helped tip it over the line was suppressors. Um, you know, using so now in Michigan it's legal to use suppressors for hunting. Um, of course, you have to make sure that you're following the federal guidelines to make sure that you're legal to own that suppressor. But once you do that, it's legal for you to use that when you're hunting in Michigan. Um, this was an issue that was brought to Michigan by the American Suppressor Association, uh, Knox Williams with them, Dakota Moore with the National Rifle Association. But during the, te- the 
Natural Resources Commission uh, hearings, Dale Hendershot, president of MTPCA, weighed in with the trappers um, on that. And having that local voice in support of that suppressor, I think, held a lot of sway. Um, you guys debated that at, at your board meeting um, and took an official position with suppressors, with the trappers. Um, where, where did you guys see that fitting in? How does that help trappers being able to hunt with suppressors? Well, if we can use those suppressors, a lot of times you know, trappers are out dispatching animals in the wee, or, wee hours of the morning, you know, and we're kind of close to homes, you know, within the safety borders. Somebody might hear that high-pitched pop and think that somebody's actually possibly poaching deer. If we can use suppressors, then we can knock that sound down even more. And there isn't that waste of time for the DNR to have to come out and investigate. That's that's great. Um, and so they're announcing the seminars that are coming up. So we'll have a little bit of background noise just for a minute. While we're doing that, Clint, think about what you're going to add to the conversation here. Because we're going to ask you about River Rats trapping supplies, where you're located, what people can you know find you know from you guys, how long you've been in business, all that kind of good stuff. As soon as the PA announcer stops, which is now. All right, so Clint. Jumping over to River Rats Trapping Supplies, um, where are you located and what do you guys offer? Uh, we're in Eaton Rapids, Michigan. Um, we're, uh, we just started up about oh, six, seven years ago now. We're just creeping over the border of that business thing. Uh, we're really taking off this year, especially at this show. I mean, we're rocking our booth. Um, we're getting a lot of people coming in. We're uh, carrying the Predator Hunter Outdoor Lights uh, made by Paul out, out of Michigan area. Um, with everything, the way it's set up, those lights, they're, they're just awesome. I mean, you, he's got the new adjustable that comes out, you know, at 800 yards uh, eye shine on all cross board, red, white, and green. Uh, you've got full body illumination anywhere between 350, 325-ish, all the way up to about 500 yards. It's just kind of helping us see the coyotes, see what's going on, catch them way out before they come in. Um, we're also getting into some of the night lights, uh, IR night vision lights, some of the thermals. So we're at, uh, basically identifying that animal correctly um, before uh, they get in. So we know what we're looking at and shooting at. So we're not hitting deer, uh, shining deer all the time. We're seeing them before they come in. Um, Again, we've got the trapping end of it, so we have lots of trapping equipment, supplies, things like that. Just bringing a local trapping area down around the Lansing core area so people can get easy access to their trapping supplies. Now, how has trapping been more recently? What, what are the prices been like? You know, has it been on the incline, decline? What are you guys seeing? On the decline on a lot of them. Our, our coyote and fox are still holding decent. Out west they're getting a lot better prices. Um, we just had an auction a few weeks back. Um, our Michigan coyote and fox they're doing decent, but they're not like our western where they're still getting their $60 coyotes, things like that. We're still holding that $15 to $30 range or under. Most of our stuff is German shepherds or shedders, things like that. But you get on the raccoon, I mean the market it's flooded. Last I heard, it was like over 900,000 or something like that sitting in the market. Well, rats, I mean, China, when China stopped buying, they just completely stopped buying everything. So everything's on hold. The Michigan Trappers have an auction going on today in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And the last I heard, the Michigan rat was actually doing, the muskrat, excuse me, the muskrat was only doing $2.50. Right. So, I mean, it, it, the prices have definitely fallen. So you're talking about a significant time and effort investment with very low return. Exactly. What, beyond the fur prices that you're getting in, 
one of the common misperceptions that I think the general public has about trapping is they don't understand the wildlife management role that it serves. Um, what would you say to, to, to somebody maybe that doesn't know about trapping, thinks maybe it's just about the fur, what, what do you guys serve as far as the, the overall conservation of wildlife species and habitat? How does trapping fit into that mix? How that trip fits into the how the, how that fits into that mix is actually you guys have really got to see how mange affects an animal or or distemper. Distemper gets into the coon, raccoon population, and that can affect just about everything. Um, I don't know how many times I've seen raccoons just dying in the woods from... Well, it was like that disease we seen a couple years ago. I, I think it was Parvo, I think it yeah. was, or something like that. I, I actually, when, when the market was still up and the coons were doing really good, I went to one of my water holes. I mean, notorious coon tracks everywhere. I, I do a lot of pre-scouting before I go out and trap. Hitting up for muskrats and stuff. I mean, tracks everywhere. And I just happened to stumble across a coon and I'm laying dead right next to the water. I'm like, what the heck? Didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, I'll take it home. Well, when I got home and skinned it, it was like an awful death smell, you know, different fat smell and stuff. Didn't put two and two. And well, as the season progressed, we started learning our area, our core area around that Lansing area was getting hit hard with it. And things like that. It's overpopulated. And with the market down right now, nobody's out trapping coons. They're like, oh, that's not my waste of, waste of time, you know. I, I don't even pay gas or dog food for my dogs. So it's going to hurt us with people not going out there. So the market just brings us way down and, and, and causes more diseases. Where with the trappers, you're out there trapping no matter what. Um, you're trying to collect the fur. You're just not targeting the animals. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot more disease coming around when the market's down, basically. I see. Now, one of the other things. So I went through the, the Trapper's Ed course, and, John, you, you helped teach that course. Um, it's super, super educational for me as somebody who hadn't trapped before. And I still haven't been out on the line yet. I need to get out on the line. So I haven't trapped myself, but I've been through the Trapper's Ed course. So I learned a little bit there. But what I learned mostly there is what I don't know. And what I learned there is how much you guys that are out trapping understand because something that was drilled into that course is that, you know, where a a deer hunter might have to get within, like, you know, even a bow hunter, we got to get within 20 or 30 yards of a deer. You guys have to get within the exact inch that that animal's going to be. How do you do that? You know, how much wildlife knowledge and skill do you guys have to employ to be able to know where an animal's going to be right down to the inch? Um, Could you please talk about that a little bit? How big are their paws? <laughs> you gotta know how big their paws are. You gotta know how what kind of track. I mean, if you set for raccoon, if you set for raccoon and you actually got coyote coming through, you don't know the difference between the two tracks. You'll never catch anything. So you have to know the biology of the animal to actually make decent and legitimate catches. Well, it was like um, with buying fur, you know, in the store. I get guys all the time asking me questions, you know, how do I catch this animal? Oh, I had this animal in this area, or I ain't seeing traps. The biggest thing comes down to is you need to know where that animal's running through. You can't just go out in the middle of the field and say, I'm going to put that trap right there and walk away. You need to scout that land ahead of time. You need to know where they're running. Some coyotes like low valleys. Some coyotes like high valleys. Some coyotes like to hug the edge. Fox like to do a lot of different things. I mean, they're very sketchy, leery animals on a lot of things. So you have to get out there and physically find out what they're doing, what their runs are and everything. And then in that, on top of that, like they 
they have steps or walks or runs. You gotta basically place that to jump, make him stop, either jump that stick and into your trap, or or find what their pace is and blind set them enough to where they can see it. Or like they do bait sets or or urine posts, you gotta get it within that distance. I mean, we're not talking 10, 20 feet. We're talking three to five feet because if it gets too far, that lure, that bait, or that urine completely dies right off and they can't smell it. If they can't smell it, you ain't gonna catch it. That's another thing maybe people don't quite understand. The the use of sense and trapping. Um, could you explain uh, how, how do you use sense and trapping that maybe somebody at hunting wouldn't use in the same way? Sense and trapping. Basically, with, with sense and trapping, I mean... It, You've got different kinds. Different kinds hit different animals. So, I mean, like, you've got your gland lures. You've got your um, box coyote, things like that. Your baits. Baits, baits are like one of those uh, baits where they die right down. Um, you put them in the hole. They're not very far away for distance travel. Your glands, you've got skunk glands. You've got regular coyote glands and urines and things like that. Um, the coyote, straight coyote glands, they don't travel that far distance like a, say, skunkier gusto or a skunkier... Um, like additive gland that carries it out so your glands basically um, give you the distance and then your base basically fall right off uh, you know what say 20-30 yards if that I mean because they're in the hole you know when they're in the hole you can't get that distance to travel things like that um, I mean is that about right along that line I'd, I'd say so yeah I mean you got deer urines I mean deer urines they say it's an attractor, but most of your deer urines are just that close quarter um, cover smells. I think personally, this is my opinion, but most deer urines are untreated. So within what five ten minutes, that that turns yeah. into ammonia. I mean, ninety yep. percent of your deer stuff um, dies right off. Unlike our glands, we got preservatives in it, things like that, that actually holds that smell, locks it in. I've got stuff on the shelf from three years ago that smells better than the day they produced it. Like the skunk. Yeah. yeah. Where if you take a deer urine, there's nothing in it. It's deer pee and I mean, I've got fox and coyote pee that's straight right now. I mean, and you, know you already well smell it's going urine, or, you know, that ammonia smell. And, and you know as well as I do, the, 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 deer, the deer products are basically there just to mask your scent a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, To yeah, attract them yeah. in. It's like you know, raccoon. Our stuff is actually, they want to know what's there because it's it's a food, it's a mating smell, it's an attractor. Right. Well, it's like with the coon and the fox urine. You know, right. It's funny that the deer people use our urines because it's going to hold the cover them. Right. They don't have deer pee or anything out there that's going to cover them. Our smells, our industry gave them something to cover their smell. Yeah. Same with the skunk. I mean, you get the skunk juice and it completely covers it. So... So let's let's switch tracks from there a little bit to just kind of public perception. All right. So you know the antis always have a lot to say about trapping. Um, what are the things that the anti hunters say about trapping that simply isn't true that the general public needs to understand better? Anti trappers are just wrong. <laughs> Period. I can't stand. I can't. Like, it's not that I can't stand them, but it, it, I can't stand what they preach. It's, it's mean, funny because half of them are lies. Half of them are lies. Or, or they come to you and they say, "Oh, you're you're going to catch dogs, or you're going to kill my dogs," and they don't even realize half of our traps won't even hurt them. I've set I've set a one and a half coil spring off on my left right hand. Excuse me, my right hand four times today. I don't have any bruises. Anybody can come out and see my hand. I'll do it for them. 
I put my hand in a trap. I'll sit there for 24 hours with a hand on my trap. I'll have a 15-minute conversation. I'll have an hour conversation with a trap on my hand. It is it, The perception is you get more of a reaction out of a rubber band on your wrist, smacking it, jumping, than you would an animal in the trap. It's a surprise. That's all it is. Yep. And most of your traps, I mean, the way we design them, we need that foot to be able to breathe. We, there's animals. I've released a lot of animals that I'm just like... It's young, or, you know, it's just not the way it's supposed to be. Our traps are not designed to hurt that animal. No. I mean, and if it is, it's because the people are not using it correctly. Correct. That's where our our educational classes, our trapping ads, we're trying to teach them to correctly. The BMPs. Yes. Best management practice. Yes, exactly. You know, we don't we don't want people to go out there like, you know, you go out deer hunting, you got 300 deer hunters out there. They're, they don't know what they're doing. They're just swinging bullets and killing stuff. I mean, Sometimes. Sometimes. We're getting better, yes. But where you're Trappers are are just pretty much straight up like um, going in there, making sure there's no paw damage. We want to make sure the traps fire correctly, the right poundage, the the pan hits at the right uh, pound putting down on it. So you're getting that perfect pad catcher, that perfect everything. Unlike antis, they say, oh no, you're 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 using a humongous uh, dog killing. I mean, I see videos all the time with these big old humongous traps, beaver claw tooth coming down. That's illegal. You can't use anything with teeth on it anymore. That's not how we trap. We use nice thick jaws on the majority of our traps, so it comes down, catches the pad perfect, doesn't pinch it off. It a lot of our stuff, them. exactly. A lot of our stuff's offset, so you still get blood circulation. Basically, yeah. like a handcuff, right? It just yeah. holds yeah. it in place. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Now, tell me if you guys have already covered this. And coyote. Do they really chew their legs off? No. <laughs> I have not caught one coyote in my life that has chewed its leg off. That so, is a misconception. So the whole myth of coyote ugly yeah. doesn't exist. It does not no, exist. Coyote ugly exists, but that's yeah. not really what coyotes yeah, do, you, right? If you've ever seen a coyote with mange, <laughs> that is coyote ugly. And honestly, majority of the, anything I see in foot damage is it's the mispractice of the trapper not following the rules or the guidelines or what we set to be more ethical to that animal. Right. I've got guys that bring in, I mean, I'm a big fur buyer, so I mean, yep. not humongous, but I'm big. To where I get enough dogs coming in, I know when that human being out there trapping, that trapper goes out and uses a number four or number five beaver trap. Or, or a illegal coyote. snare. Or a legal snare. I mean, that is, I, I don't like our Michigan laws on our snares. I, I, I think they do some more damage than their work. But at the same time, I understand the dog guys because I do have friends that hunt dogs. I do have coyote running dogs. I get it. Because if, if that dog is not doing what he's supposed to do and he's off trail and just running a trail, he could get snagged. But, again, it comes down to the human being and the animal. If you properly train that animal, you should never hit a trap or a snare because that coyote's going to come into it first or that coon is going to go into it first before that dog's going to go into it. So with most of these kind of misperceptions about trapping, other than the ones that are just plain miss, they just don't exist, most of it is if the trapper is following the guidelines, following the ethics, using the tools the way that they're meant to be used, we're not going to have money problems. We won't have any problems. Not at all. That's great. 
Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers. People want to know more about it. Where can they go? Other than your booth right here at the Lansing Deer and Turkey Expo. Which I recommend you come on It's out so cool. Anytime. you got... What, well, tell people... Your booth is so cool. Tell people what you have at your booth. Right now, you can come in and you can join the MTPCA at our booth. We will actually show a trapping demonstration. You want to learn how to trap muskrat, raccoon, coyote. We can help you do that. Right next door, we have Clint. He has a few traps on on supply. He also has a few baits, lures, and other things on supply. Uh, you got to come in and see the lights that he's got. I've got. I actually have one of the lights that he. I I bought one of the lights he sells. I, you can see a rabbit at 100 yards with its eyes. So definitely, we can help you. If you want to learn trapping, we can help you learn I mean, whatever like you want. We hone that whole aisle. I mean, yeah. that whole one side is ours. <laughs> we are, it's cool. the, are the aisle. It's cool. And uh, Clint, people want to go to Riverass Trapping Supplies, remind them. Where, where are you? Where can they go? Where can um, they find you? We're on, on Facebook big okay. time. I mean, I try to keep that up. I know a lot of old timers. I mean, I got a lot of old guys that don't get on Facebook. That's all right. I follow you on Facebook, and I don't even trap. <laughs> We, you can get us on our Facebook at River Edge Trapping Supplies. Um, then we've also got a website my wife's been working up. We've got a store on there. We're slowly growing it. We're just finally getting our feet on the ground. That's uh, www.riverestrappingsupply.com. Um, we pretty much hook you up. We've got shipping, things like that that we do. Well, I got to tell you guys, thank you for coming and joining the podcast, Clint. I know you didn't mean to, I'm but, sorry for you made, but you made it awesome. You made it awesome. We really appreciate that. This has been one of the most interesting things. And I think, you know, I think I can speak for a lot of hunters that don't trap. There's such a mystique to it because it's like that, that mysterious thing that we don't know. That's like another step into the wild beyond what we know. It's what uh, built America. Oh, it is. And it's so cool. I think I think most hunters want to know more about it. I think most hunters need to know more about it. I think non-hunters need to know more about it. I think you shared it with them quite a bit. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, go check out Michigan Trappers and Predator Callers Association. Check out River Rats on Facebook and in person. And, uh, yeah, we're signing off. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another edition of Michigan Out of Doors Podcast. Defend your rights to hunt, fish, and trap by joining MUCC at MUCC.org.